listening to what you shouldn't see. This is Nigh Unwatchable. Clapping for Jesus. Jesus. Now, my question is, is it harder to clap with holes in your hands? I think I think it has to be, right? Because part of what creates the clap noise is like the Uh suction effect, which you would lose with Mm. holes in your hands. That's a good point. The reason I ask is because it is Resurrection Day. Happy Resurrection Day, Chris. (laughs) That's Chris Wyden. I'm Harrison Stewart. Uh, It's not actually Easter yet, but we are recording this special Easter episode for you. Yes. Despite not being Christians. But, you know, it's the U.S. Well, (laughs) it is... It is, and that means we used to be. This is Nigh Unwatchable, and we have watched The Passion of the Christ. (sighs) Chris, the great American classic, The Passion of... Mel, excuse me, Mel Gibson's The Passion of the Christ. Yeah, I don't know how I feel Uh, about it. I I like sharing the blame with Australia on this one. (laughs) Ooh. God, it is... That's fair. Wow, The Passion of the Christ, for those of you who don't know, is a movie that was released a period of time ago. I don't it know. was? When was it released? It was uh, It was released in 2004. And it and is... And it was... Probably the most watched Christian-themed movie of all time. Uh, no, no, sir. Not probably. Absolutely. Like, that is, that is an really? undisputed fact. Oh, yeah, dude. This thing... This thing put up fucking numbers. The only reason I'm surprised by that is I just would have thought Ten Commandments would have gotten more. I guess Ten Commandments isn't isn't exclusively Christian, while Passion of the Christ is, but still. Well, and I also, I think, I think it totally makes sense that this movie is the most popular within Christianity because, number one, it is portraying uh, the passion, what's called the passion within Christian theology, which is the final 12 hours of Jesus's life. Okay. Quick rundown, quick rundown. Yeah. For those of you who uh, might of, not be Christian, those... because Mel Gibson yeah. assumes all of his viewers are. <laughs> well, and he was largely right. He was largely right about that, but, um, he didn't predict our show. The final 12 hours is no, <laughs> the final 12 hours are Jesus. Uh, he's in Jerusalem already. He is arrested handed over to the high priest of um of the temple in jerusalem the high priest uh you know finds him guilty of blasphemy or whatever but judea is a roman province at this point so they have to go get permission basically from uh the roman prefect who is named pontius pilate pontius pilate does some stuff that we'll get to but ultimately uh sentences jesus to be crucified or rather (laughs) like pins it on a lackey to do so (laughs) um that's where we get the phrase i wash my hands of this and jesus is uh nailed to a tree and left to die oh a tree that he has to carry through the streets of jerusalem um until he gets to golgotha where he is crucified yeah all references to a tree are references to the cross and for those of you don't know the cross is an ancient execution device but you do know because you live on the planet (laughs) earth the year is 2023 meaning 2023 years since jesus so (laughs) i'm gonna assume you know what a cross is (laughs) it is it is just a wee but again chris again i'm going to use that as a point for my argument that of course this movie is the most popular christian movie Uh okay what is their symbol? It is an execution device, right? <laughs> and I totally, so, you know, the importance of that was that it is, the idea is that Jesus sacrificed himself for the sins of everyone so that everybody can attain vicarious redemption, is essentially is the core of the message. Very enticing. That's a very enticing offer because everybody knows deep down that they've done something wrong. So being told, like, Hey, this wild, wild shit happened. So actually, you're you're good, man. You're yeah. you're fine. Everything's everything is hunky dory. Okay, that's the passion. 
very, very, very basically. The <laughs> yeah, in, as part of it, the just Mel to add Gibson. in a, a few little bits of color, just that'll oh, yeah, become yeah, yeah. relevant when we get to the movie. Part of the passion is also like a bunch of random tortury things that like occur. Yes, there's okay. like a lot of yes. the trial that leads to him getting crucified. Pontius Pilate as like doesn't want to do it at first, so he's like, "Well, I'll torture him." And he and he's trying and he does that to try to make everybody say, "Well, we don't need him executed because you tortured him." And then everyone's like, "No, we still want him executed." <laughs> yes. So yes. it doesn't work out that way. But it's the twelve hours is supposed to be grueling. Like the story is rough. As like a as, and there's a reason it's centered in in the Christian faith, is that it's just right. like this horrific way of punishing someone. But that, of course, like Harrison said, well, is for that's... the purpose of, like, cleansing the world of its evil. So we need to, yeah. like, literally do all the worst things we can imagine to to Jesus. <laughs> that's basically it. That's basically it. Is that because he is symbolically shouldering the weight of everyone's sin, like, there is this obsession within some branches of Christianity. This really, really, really didn't become a thing until around, like, the Middle Ages. Mm. Like, the medieval period is kind of when they start becoming obsessed with the grotesqueness of the... I mean, (laughs) of course, they're always obsessed with violence, but obsessed with (laughs) the violence of the actual act of the crucifixion. You know, like, you start seeing blood appear on crucifix... Like, crucifixes, which are the little, you know... uh, they're usually made of wood. It's just a cross with Jesus on it. You know, those start getting, like, art starts depicting it in a more gruesome manner. Yeah. Uh, to really emphasize that, like, no, this guy had to suffer. Like, it wasn't just that he was crucified. He had to suffer. Man, there's no evidence. No evidence at all whatsoever in the actual historical record that his crucifixion was any worse than anyone else's, you know? Like, that's not to say that crucifixion is not one of the absolute worst ways to die. But honestly, what I think happened here is that, like, crucifixion was good enough. Like, you could just say crucifixion, and then the world where crucifixion still existed, everyone understood, oh, my God, that's awful. Like, that's so bad. That's, That's brutal. But then... When Rome fell, when crucifixion stopped being a thing, when people didn't really remember it, I felt I feel like there was this push to just like remind people like, no, no, and also like this other terrible shit happened and he was mocked, everyone was really mean <laughs> to him. And, you know, uh which also like that is one of the reasons why the Passion of the Christ is such a confusing makes for such a confusing movie. Well, is that it's taking... Is the, are we transitioning right into the movie now? I, I, not quite. Okay. It's just it's just that, like, the, the... It's taking, you know, Iron Age levels of moral thinking. I see what, yeah, yeah. Right? A child... I mean, honestly, like, a childlike sense of right and wrong. And it just, like... It, it, it applies that to the entire movie. So that everyone is kind of a caricature... Like, the crowd is just unnecessarily mean. Oh, yeah. Everything, <laughs> like, and everything, is that is a great like, word for it. Everything is a caricature in this movie, certainly. Honestly, everything. except the fucking Romans who are, I mean, some of well, the Romans and are except, caricatures. Except, no, the Romans are way caricatures. No, they we'll, are. We'll get to that. But, but the like, only thing that is, on, that is almost. Is like, fine. He's just like a dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I also take huge, huge, huge umbers to because Mel Gibson went way off script when, like, one of the only things that we know about Pontius Pilate from the the historical record, right? So this is other Romans yeah. writing about Pontius, right? Yeah, I guess it was kind of a dick. <laughs> like, even, even the guys who were, like, used to crucify wow. and just bad motherfuckers were like, yeah, we don't really like Pont. Like, he was sent to Judea because he wasn't, like, well-liked in Caesar's court. Oh, well. So the whole... They sent yeah, him fucking I, far away. <laughs> so sending, exactly, dude, to the literal corner of the empire. So the whole send-up with him being, like, kind of a good guy, I, I took huge issue with but like 
Mel Gibson is basically approaching this with all of the moral sanity, or, or not, sanitation, right? The moral mm-hmm. sanitation of Sunday school with the violence of a Quentin Tarantino movie. <laughs> and if you're thinking, that's an incredibly strange mix that I don't think it's going to work very well, it doesn't. <laughs> like, if you're not a devout Christian, I genuinely believe The Passion of the Christ might be one of the worst movies ever made. <laughs> like, it is. Oh my God. The, the plot is incomprehensible. Who would fucking watch this? Unless you were absolutely convinced that the central figure was like, that this actually happened, which we'll, we'll get into that in a second. Remind me about the Pope's quote on this movie. There's a whole thing about the media blitz that's, that's pretty interesting. Huh. But let's, okay, let's get into it. Mel Gibson. What do we know about Mel Gibson? I'm sure all of us now know that he's just like a raging anti-Semite, you know, just big, 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 like, He's real into stuff like the New World Order, you know, and, and like the Jews run Hollywood. Mm. And I know, which is a crazy I mean, belief for a man as successful as him in Hollywood to have. <laughs> well, OK, but Chris, a lot of this, I mean, a lot of it was kind of hush hush, like at the time, like he wasn't widely known. You know, like, I'm sure oh, within yeah. Hollywood circles, everyone knew that he had these sentiments, but... No, the it thing... Was it was like a the thing public he said drunk, Before right? this movie happened. It was like what? one of those things where he just got caught being anti-Semitic, like, at a bar or something. Yes, shit. sir. Yeah. And, but, the real kicker happens when, like, that happened in post-production. Ooh. So when post-production was in, yeah, dude. So they were like in the middle of trying to market this movie. <laughs> like, and what happened is Mel Gibson got arrested <laughs> and they had their like cameras on or whatever. Wait, so they for caught what? What, what did he, he do to get arrested? Did he just do something like uh, stupid? Public, public intoxication. Oh, so he was, was literally that just or being I th- stupid. Okay. <laughs> well, I think he might have been driving as well. So Ooh. it might, I, I, I believe that he was he was drunk driving. But at the very least, he was like mad drunk. You know, I can say that with certainty. I can also say with certainty that he said, basically he like turned to one of the officers and was like, the Jews control everything, you know. Are you a Jew? I bet you're a Jew. <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah yeah that's also just like happened in that's an insane moment because the odds that an off a police officer is jewish to me have to be extremely low right (laughs) like given the type of people attracted to that job i don't think (laughs) well i mean whether whether police officers i can't i can't i mean even whether or not the officer was Jewish, you know, like, no, is irrelevant. It's just funny because I think of police officer. And I see I what think you're of saying. Like white supremacist the... Christian. I don't think of like anything else really. So. Well, well, but okay, of course. But that is because you're not looking at like he's looking at it from the point of view of like you're telling me no. You are a person who is telling me that I can't do something, which is something I'm not used to. Therefore, and he's like linked it also with his religious upbringing, mm. you know, and the anti-Semitism involved in uh, the charge of deicide, basically also around the Middle Ages. Um, because, again, you, you really need to think about the early Christians thought of themselves as Jews. I mean, that was a that was a big, 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 big point. And one thing that Paul, frankly, kind of went way off the rails with is like, actually, it's open to everybody. And they're like, wait, whoa, whoa, Paul, what? He's like, yeah, totally. Um, but that's another story. The, the, the point is that around that time period, the, the, the Middle Ages, when it really, like the, the distinction between that and Judaism was really codified yeah. to the point that it turned into anti-Semitism, a lot of the persecution in Europe, especially, centered on specifically "you killed our God," um, and, and like, and that is a big, big, big theme of the Passion of the Christ movie. Oh, it is movie. I am excited. I do. I do really need uh, to emphasize movie. Yeah, yeah. It is because not like they are in the Bible at all. Because, like Harrison said, I now 
Harrison always correct me if I say something stupid about Christianity. It's been many years since I've <laughs> even been inside of a church, actually. Uh, but, <laughs> but, right on. But from what I remember, it's like a pretty, it's not, you know, it's like most Bible stories. Like most Bible stories, even at their most intense, are like pretty skimpy on a lot of the details. <laughs> Uh, it depends. I mean, I mean certainly like this... there are, like, specifics in this story. This story has more specifics than most. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, the Bible is not giving you background motivations for, like, everybody involved in the Passion of the Christ. Like, if you want no, those, you no. have to do your own adjacent historical research. From And well, I understand and also... that you have done a lot of that, which will be really nice for correcting a lot of the mistakes in this movie. <laughs> Well, just because, like, it takes so many liberties. Like, that's that's one of the most confusing things is that, like, which one of the liberties is the fact that, like, it it portrays, like, the Jews as just, like, totally out to get him just because they dislike him. And, and that's not even, like, one it, that totally disregards the historical reality on the one hand that, like, uh, they were 40 years out from a total revolt, uh, which Rome crushed brutally. But like, they, you know, this is very uneven, shaky ground. So when you have a guy going around saying, I am the king of the Jews, not the king that Caesar chose, who is Herod, and like planted on right. the throne of Israel as, as like his puppet king, but that I am actually the king, that is a political threat, Okay. So, like, you you all of a sudden have a real political reason for the elders within the Jewish temple mm. to turn him over to the Roman authorities. But that is not at all how this is presented. This is presented as, oh like, my God. They're, they're out to get him because well, this they movie, hate him. Can we talk about how it opens real quick? And it's we'll, yeah, we'll get through the open real fast, but I... Everything about this movie is, like, a more difficult version down to... Down to stuff that doesn't have to do with the actual story itself. We're just making mm-hmm. the telling of this very famous story confusing and difficult to the point where me, someone who is raised in a Christian sect for a while and then like stopped being that for myself, I still like I have a, I have a pretty good, you know. These are holidays. Easter is a thing that Pretty I celebrated every year for yeah. like whatever, 16 yeah. or 17 years. I Yeah, they talk about it a lot. Yeah, I don't remember like every little thing, certainly, but watching this movie, I was getting like a little lost almost immediately because it is so dependent on you being familiar with the story. And even though I am like in a sense familiar, <laughs> my decade removal from this from like hearing the passion of the christ story means like i don't actually like is this right the movie opens like it's pirates of the caribbean which is what i texted harrison when i saw it because it opens in fog you literally it looks like we are at sea and then you realize we're like in like some like wooded area jesus is the garden of gethsemane oh sure and jesus is fucking praying (laughs) and and he's like beseeching God or whatever. And if I I know this is Jesus, but I'm just saying, you know, if you were truly going in blind, you would not really understand what's happening. We do this, and then like an androgynous, sexy looking, looking hooded motherfucker Ooh, shows up. Chris, Chris, you skipped right over the very first detail that makes you go, "Excuse me, what?" Uh, which is that when they open their mouths, they are not speaking a language. That any of us recognize. Oh, oh my fucking god! I because it's subtitled the whole the time. I kind of forgot. The entire movie uh. is is in. Okay, they claim it is in Aramaic, which is like the the language, like the the common tongue of of like Judea at that time period. Latin, which is what the Romans speak, and then some Greek thrown in there here and there so okay two out of but three chris, languages that don't exist anymore <laughs> not only that 
they don't exist enough for us to accurately reconstruct it in any meaningful way. <laughs> Aramaic, like, they have pieced together bits and pieces of Aramaic in order to translate, like, the biblical verses into... So first, they took the Bible, and then they turned it into a script, and they had this dude translate it into bits and pieces of Aramaic that have survived, and we have, like, just no way of knowing how they're pronounced. So everyone is just, like, doing their best, kind of. Oh, Hebrew. Hebrew as well. And, I mean, we, we, we now Hebrew is a little different. We're fairly confident that some of the pronunciations have changed over time, but considering that pronunciation is such a very, very, very big part of a lot of Jewish studies, we feel pretty confident that the Hebrew is uh, about right. The Latin, however, is is liturgical Latin. And what that means is that that's what the church speaks. Like, even to this day, that's what you hear in, like, Catholic, right. uh, you know, the, the Catholic shit. But, but that is not what the Romans would have been speaking, you know, <laughs> like that. And it's far more like Italian than it is, like, what the Romans <laughs> were probably. Okay, so you might be thinking at this point, well, okay, so are you telling me that they're, not that they're speaking nonsense, but kind of close to it? It's like, And yes, that's exactly what I'm telling you. It's like they're speaking <laughs> nonsense, but also not nonsense. And they've jumbled it all together. So it is effectively nonsense. <laughs> well, it is effectively nonsense. And also consider the links that they had to go to to do that for quote unquote historical accuracy. But then Jesus is white. like that is so just like within the first frame of the film it's just like all right there's a lot for for a community that they do a lot of work to express is like a desert community which i also am like was it at that time don't really know if israel was like stone and sand completely at that time uh but Uh, (laughs) it seems unlikely i mean some areas around around jerusalem yeah i mean was it though do we do we actually know that? Because like two thousand years ago, I mean, no. like we've desertified the U.S. in less than two hundred years. You're gonna tell me that like Israel wasn't greener <laughs> two thousand years ago? Oh, oh yes. Uh, now, now that that okay. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. And and in fact, we know that you're right because again. A lot of the records that that we rely on to like cross check some of this is like, okay, did the Romans write about it though? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> if if the Romans wrote about it, then of course there's some of it that you've got to take a with a grain of salt because they incorporate their own cultural bullshit. Well, it's corroborated into it. though. You have two sources. It's corroborate exactly, exactly. It's just like another source that's just like, hey, yeah, no, I, I yeah, no, they they nailed that guy to a tree for sure, for sure. I heard about that. um but the which is which is why it's so strange that that this is a movie like we were saying that can really only be viewed or no not viewed it can only be enjoyed by christians um it cannot be enjoyed by anyone else which is why it's so strange that mel gibson seems to be playing for a larger audience like there are parts of this movie like these little changes like you were about to say, the the conversation with Satan yeah. in the Garden of Gethsemane doesn't happen. That is not, that is not. Well, it seems like, yeah, they're like explanatory. And I guess it's the, it's like this weird problem they've made for themselves. I hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned all the language problems. But because there's all this effort to have them not just speak English and us just suspend our disbelief as the viewers, then... <laughs> There, it seems like they're trying to visualize a lot of stuff that, in order to visualize it, kind of becomes a plot point or a, an element mm. of the story that just like isn't there yeah. outside yeah. of the movie. Like Satan, like Satan is hanging out while Jesus is praying, and like a snake comes over. Satan, by the way, I understand Mel Gibson made Satan androgynous and like very non-binary-esque to to make that them as a bad more evil but like satan's hot yeah. satan's like the hottest person satan. in this movie like, <laughs> satan. satan 
They can get it. <laughs> they can sure. get it. For sure, for sure, for sure. Big time. Um, but yeah, Satan's but around. They... And it's unclear who Satan is. Jesus is praying. And then we like smash cut to Judas, who again, I know because I've, I've like seen, I know the basic story, what this smash cut to is. But like, this is very random. Just as a regular viewer in the story, we start on this dude praying. He seems sad. And he, like, turns to his friends and he's like, I think they're going to come to get me. And then we smash cut to a guy we don't know, who you assume, if you already know the Christian story, is Judas, who, if you don't know, is the man who betrays Jesus to the authorities. Basically is like, he is at this location. He did the things you said. Pay me silver coins and and I'll be on my way. And then he right, takes but the that's guards the thing, and he kisses that... Jesus to identify him and that's it. But, like, this all happens. Like, we flash to that. Then Judas comes, kisses Jesus. But all of this is supposed to be, like, this, like, big momentous moment. We don't even know that the kiss is meant to identify Jesus in the world of this movie until Jesus himself says that to Judas upon it happening. He's like, you betray me with a kiss. And it's like, this is actually, like an interesting plot point as like a plan level like if you were like hey like how will we know who the right guy is well i'm gonna like kiss him on the cheek yeah why don't you fucking say that like you (laughs) why don't you have you have this weird scene with judas getting the money but you don't have the part where he's like gonna go identify jesus and that's gonna be a whole thing anyway I got really annoyed with that. It, like, happens just weirdly and quickly. Like, Jesus is in the garden, there's the devil, and then next thing you know, Judas is getting paid, and then next thing you know, Jesus is arrested. And I was like, okay, here we go. (laughs) So that's another thing about the language. Uh, Mel Gibson was initially so confident that everybody already knew this story like thoroughly well which is also strange where it's like who are you playing to then yeah like you keep changing the story to make it more cinematic but then you do the stuff where you're like oh you yeah you you already know this one it originally was not going to have subtitles at all so he just wanted he was like ah yeah like you know what's happening and like so a lot of the overacting that's going on is because like some of the actors at the time thought like nope I'm speaking gibberish, essentially. I'm speaking a dead language that nobody in the audience is going to be able to understand. That I don't speak. None of the actors speak yeah. the languages oh that they were God. speaking. That's like, so... That makes some of the shit... Okay, so a little bit off topic of the story. We already talked about what the actual passion story is. So we're going to approach this movie kind of all over the place. Now that you know what the order of events should roughly be. Jesus is arrested he's tortured he's crucified and then he dies um that's the real story he's he's on his way to the first trial but we also get this little bit now this happens in the gospel not everything i'm about to say but like loosely judas betrays jesus and then feels bad about it and he kills himself that happens in the story yeah what we do not have details of is this whole like little mini saga that Judas goes on to the path of suicide, which is like Judas like walking through the city and then like we'll see like the devil walk by in like the devil's sexy little black hood in the background. And then some kids walk up to Judas like Judas like trips and he's like, oh, I'm so guilty and sad. And some kids walk up so to him. So sad and guilty. And they're like, hey, man, like, what's wrong? We're kids. And he's like, get the fuck away from me. And they're like, oh, my God, you're saying naughty. I think he calls them little devils. And he's like, oh, you cursed at us. That means you have a devil inside of you. So they start kicking him. And then one of the kids' faces turns into this, like, grotesque, like, it's like it's hard to describe. Like, a grotesque face that's, like, an old mannish it looks like face on a child like yeah it looks like Gollum. a little Gollum kid and then that is like this weird theme that now just exists in the movie that like when there is like satan-y shit around 
there's gonna be some kid that turns around and has this terrifying golem face but you never know well, maybe it's just gonna be a kid and they like so oh sorry go on <laughs> mel mel gibson again mel gibson is catholic as fuck so like demonology and like all of that shit plays very heavily into this uh, is, is that like a part of demonology <laughs> is that you like heavily. see evil faces on like real people or something i mean kind of like none of the rules are defined or anything it's just like the general emphasis on like demons especially having a ton of influence and being able to just show up in our world and like terrorize evil people and shit like that like all of that is is like i mean i'm sure you 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 there's a reason catholicism is the big one if not the only one of the denominations that does like exorcisms you know like that that's more what i mean by like possession and all of that is like a big element which i also kind of call bullshit on i mean not of course possession is bullshit but it's also just like unfair within even the logic of christianity and 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 okay so i'll just use this to talk about how unfair this movie is towards judas and just how like opinions towards judas in general they basically like the you can tell, like, it, it, this movie is dripping with disdain for Judas. Like, they basically just send him on this little torture side quest so he can get his as well. Yeah. And it culminates in him hanging himself, which is kind of, like, he doesn't do it with a rope. He does it with, like, the donkey's tail hair or some shit. But the he sees the donkey, and he takes, and, and like, you can tell he's going to take the rope because this dead donkey, donkey has a noose around his like neck. A mouth like it's decaying it's decaying it's got like an old rope from its old saddle and like mouth bit like that's the thing is that so like everything with judas right every single scene like you're saying it's like he betrays jesus then he he has this weird scene under a bridge where he like they toss jesus off and he's in chains and he makes eye contact with judas and they raise him back up. And then there's a jump scare of this demon that just jumps out of the darkness at Judas, like, behind That Judas behind doesn't him. even see. That jump scare is no. just for the audience's benefit. Just for the audience. Yeah. that That's the thing, is that, like, everything that happens to, to Judas is just, like, a horror movie all of a sudden. And, and, then, and then the kid scene happens. And then he gets, like, run to the edge of town. Yeah, kids, the decides kids to kill himself. multiply and run him to the edge of well, town. But, but Chris, okay, <laughs> according to Gibson himself, you already know this story, okay? So I really thought when I saw him look down at the, at the rope, and then he looks, like, back up at the camera and kind of blinks, and, I mean, it's some good acting. You know what's going to fucking happen, even if you're not familiar with this story. Yeah. A filmmaker with a sense of compassion or, you know, just any sort of decency probably would have cut away there. But no, then then we've got to get his feet like dropping into the shot, you know, and hanging around like in a Western movie. Okay. And again, a reasonable director would cut there. But no. Then it does the final wide shot of him just hanging and blood coming down his chest and like, and, and like the noise that the rope is making. It is as it. It is. It's really so intense. graphic. It's really intense. And it, and and he leaves the shot there for I I I had to count because I was like that seems really long to me six seconds. <sighs> He just lets it, like, he just leaves the shot. It's just, uh, like, he, throughout, like, you know, trying to promote this movie, Mel Gibson kept saying that, like, the violence and, because he noted that it was shocking, okay? Because some early reviewers were calling it a snuff film. And he was like, no, no, like, it's not that, it's not, which it absolutely is. We'll we'll do that in our wrap-up. But the well, I, right because no one actually died. Anyway, <laughs> the the <laughs> he kept saying that like it's fine that it's this violent because it's about love <laughs> and it's about forgiveness oh. and redemption. <laughs> Just like oh, what an ass! I don't know about all that. You 
you went way off script with Judas to like the only the only thing that in fact I actually think that there are conflicting if I'm not mistaken and I don't think I am there are actually conflicting reports of Judas's death in the Bible I believe in one of them it describes him like running down a hill and he trips over a rock and breaks his neck and then the other one is like him hanging himself also breaking his neck people seem to agree that he broke his neck uh, and then he was remitted to a potter's field, which is just like uh, we use that phrase today as a um, just a mass public grave. Yeah, I think uh, we still say potter's field. It maybe that's like it. Public burial site. I forget. There's... You know, that's that's all. That's all we get. There's no mention of demons haunting. Like at worst, it says. Oh, this is back to my bullshit point. I call bullshit on the fact. Like it's just. It's totally unfair to fault Judas and then also say shit like God turned his heart to stone. It's like, well, what the fuck, God? <laughs> why, why don't you not do that? Why don't you not have him? Like, if that's, yeah. if that's an option, can we, can we have that not? It doesn't, you seem very, <laughs> very unclear on the point of intention. Was it his intention to do this? Was he possessed when he did this? If he was possessed, does it really fucking count? Like, it's just, ah, it's, it's also it's, one it's of those so... movies where the, I think in the making of it, what is interesting viewing it now, watching it yesterday, like we did, is just, it, it knows, it, it knows the story. It is the, the movie itself, the writer, because it was written by some guy and Mel Gibson, but also Mel Gibson as the director. It's like the story is known so well by these people. And as we've already said many times, they're assuming knowledge of it, familiarity with right. it for the audience, that there is a kind of like absence of actual characterization. Like they forget to totally. tell us who anybody is really. Like we are just supposed to kind of be able to identify different characters by a quick name reference and who they're following it's... around, and that's kind of it, but we don't really... And, like, their pain is on display, and pain yeah. in this movie is on display intensely, but we just, like, don't have this sense of, like, here are these people we need to empathize with, or even Jesus getting tortured, it's like, my empathy extends insofar as this is, like, a human body I am watching get destroyed, okay. but it doesn't yeah. extend to the point of, like... Here is a person who I care about and am sad that this person specifically is having this happen to them. Instead, I yes. am just like, I'm sad about this because this is happening to a person. <laughs> but like, right. beyond that, there is like, I'm not feeling emotional myself because I don't have like any connection with this character, Jesus, in this movie. Because the movie is just acting like I should without giving me a reason to <laughs> like <laughs> well the the so this and this this kind of goes back to what i was talking about with like the fact that in a lot of ways it is very much constructed and just it it feels like a kid's movie in that like everything that you just said is totally true the way that they accomplish anything resembling character development is through costuming and makeup alone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Everything so is like archetypal. Everything so relies able... on a stereotype. Exactly. Exactly. But you can extrapolate it out to tell some really gross views of the people that made this, including but not limited to, like you were saying earlier, the androgynous Satan. Yeah. And the reason that that's a particularly bad thing, and Mel Gibson is on record saying this, like, like acknowledging that the androgyny was a choice uh, is when so you know let's let's fast forward a little so the the in the story he goes to the the Jewish high council mm -hmm. this is there oh another is body types that's also how they uh, every single like slightly overweight person or or larger person in this movie bad guy every single one like it it, it got so <laughs> annoying by, by and then of course you know, Jesus himself shredded. Actually, of let's, course. let's specify that further. Every large or overweight person is a bad guy who is Jewish. 
All the bad guys who are Roman are fit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. But the so the Jewish bad guys, uh, you know, and all of them are talking a lot about money and like the way that they're groveling over it. And except then you get so th- this is in two separate gospels. A uh, one of the the Sanhedrin, the High Council, speaks up in Jesus's defense. One of the Gospels identifies it as Nicodemus. Another one identifies it as Joseph of Arimathea. You don't need to know who those two people are. You just need to know that they identify as two different people. And this one just goes with both of them. Neither of them look weird. They're the only members of the entire council that just look like normal ass. Like they're just, I mean, they're in the same clothing, but like they don't have jagged teeth and like gigantic noses and bushy eyebrows and like warts and shit. Like they're just yeah. normal dudes. They're like, hey, actually, Jesus isn't that bad. They're like, ah, oh, get him out of here. Oh my God. So hold on, fast forwarding because I, I sticking with this theme, but I want to fast forward to the next scene where I think this is like a really comes, comes through in a lot of mm-hmm. different ways. We'll have a lot to talk about. When Jesus goes to trial... I'm going to skip over the torture for now, but I already mentioned earlier. Oh, 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 let me, let me just do one thing about the torture in. So when, uh, Pilate hands over Jesus to be tortured, he's like mercilessly flawed. By the way, just a a connection here, the connection between the temple and Jesus getting tortured is from the temple. They decide to turn Jesus in to the Romans asking for Jesus to be, to be killed. And that leads Pontius Pilate to decide on torture instead. Right. Because he's, he's trying not to kill him. He's like, I don't really see a crime here. Like, you know, it's blasphemy to your gods or whatever, but I I just don't care to be bothered with this. Just beat the shit out of them. So they do that. But in the middle of that, like Satan walks by with, um, with a little old man, baby. <laughs> observing, yeah, with a little baby, and because it's just we can't like get observing rid of these Jesus. Child golem faces. Can't get rid of these golem kids. <laughs> no way. So, and they both like smile and have like you know, like horrible jagged teeth. And but anyway, so you know, you might be thinking, what the fuck is going on like over there? <laughs> Mel Gibson explained it as like it's an inversion of mother and child, which is like the depiction of the madonna mary the mother of jesus like holding the baby jesus and he's like yeah so it's like the opposite you know because like we took away like her womanhood and like made her androgynous and it's like a total uh uh perversion of like the and then instead of a baby he's like an old man (laughs) it's just like you're the the goddamn worst you know what's so annoying about that is it is so i'm not even reading into that he said it i I, he just copped to it i like i hate it i hate it especially because it's (laughs) it's so dumb like the but it's so dumb for the reason because as an effect (laughs) it is great it is such a disturbing visual image like just seeing and i'm not talking about the androgynous satan I'm talking about the old man baby effect, but it is a really disturbing because it's image. another, it's another, it's not a jump scare quite, but it's another slow burn because his head is turned at first. So then when he finally does turn to look at the audience, it's, it's, it is horrifying. I mean, like it's really scary. Yeah. Um, oh my God. But that's also the scene. The only other thing about the torture is that like part of it is beating, but in another part, they pull out what's called the nine tails, uh-huh. which is like, uh, it, it's a little a little handle, and then it's got nine strips of leather, and then at the end are metal hooks, right? And, like, that's one thing that makes this movie such a difficult watch is the special effects are dynamite. <laughs> and I, I, mean, I mean, that is the only, like, unabashed compliment that I will pay to this movie is that, uh, I mean... The violence is flawless. <laughs> it's it is disgusting. It is it is worse than most f- like slasher films that I've ever oh, seen. No, it Ma- is worse. worse than most gross out movies I've ever seen. It's way worse um, than most because it's staying with it. Like even gross out, even like yeah, really yes. nasty, like 
Cronenberg level movies. It's just well, Cronenberg is is worse in some sense, but it's always so fictional. It's like not that bad. But like even like something like Saw is like they're gonna give you a break. Part of why Dude. horror movies work for mass audiences Ugh. is that it's not an endless onslaught of yes. like horrifying imagery. They give you a little yes. breather in between. <laughs> yes. Which, by the way, now while while the torture scene is is the first um, really really excessive um, instance of violence. The entire lead up to this, people are just punching him and kicking him and spitting on him and just degrading him and like doing horrible shit the entire time, you know? So like, okay. yes, it is, it is violent, like in a physical sense, but there's also just a lot of psychological shit going up to it that is just like very difficult to watch intentionally so. But like you were saying with staying on it, man, and this is the last thing I'll say about the torture scene is a prime example of that to me. And again, where a, a decent director would have cut away because the point was made is that he shows one of the Romans like putting the nine tails into a table and then ripping it out. Okay. So we understand the mechanics. Okay. It just a huge chunk of the table came out. All right. I've got it. They're going to do that to him and it's going to suck. And then, and then like the first few lashes, you know, are shot in a way where you're like, they're not going to show it. You know, like I, I can see Jesus's face and him reacting in the foreground. You can see it going on in the background. You can maybe see splurts of blood, Oof. but then you get a, a shot from the side where, you know, the Roman comes down with the nine tails, the hooks get into Jesus's side oof, oof. and then the Roman pulls a little and it doesn't quite come out. And then he yanks it and his entire side comes out so that his ribs are exposed. And again, you need to think about this as like some of the best special effects you've ever seen. Like they're it practical. So real. Which is, well, that's why they look effects. so real. Yeah. Excuse me. Practical effects. You don't see, yeah, you don't um, see practicals much anymore, which I think is also in a weird Please sense. Please forgive me. I meant I meant practical effects the whole time that I was talking about special effects. Oh, the yeah, practical no, I mean, effects practical in... effects are a kind of special effect, but I'm oh. only calling that out because in many ways, we're actually... Our most violent movies nowadays that have budgets like this tend not to use practical effects anymore for mm. stuff like this like there are still practical effects all over a lot of high budget things star wars for example will always have like a crazy amount of both but um yeah <laughs> but like you have a lot of violence now where if you were gonna make this if mel gibson were gonna make this movie now he wouldn't use practical effects he would use cgi and it would look worse it Probably. would it would yeah it would just not because when you're shooting something that's real even if it's fake it's made of real stuff that the camera sees and therefore it looks fucking real in the movie. Yeah. Like, and that shit's Man, so, so scary. But ag <laughs> again, 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 that's the theme of this movie is the violence is the point. It really and truly is. Like, I fully believe that they skimped other places in this movie budget wise to dump it all into the special effects. Or oh, the yeah. practical effects, because like, and the makeup, because all of that looks incredible. You're making a but... really good point here, actually, because it is, the violence is the point, and as we were saying right before talking about this, and now we should probably talk about the trial a little bit, but you, you really just have that dichotomy, for the most part, um, yeah. is violence <laughs> against this guy, but in general, a lot of violence. And then blame for where, who is to blame for this. And the movie is is yep. very explicit about this and implicitly explicit about this. And I mean, by implicitly explicit, what I mean is after this torture, basically Jesus goes into some back room. The Romans like put a crown of thorn on him, on him so he bleeds more and they make fun of him. And then they drag him out in front of all the people in ooh, Jerusalem. Oh, Ah, uh, shit. I know, I know that I said that that was the last thing, okay. but this, this is a recurring thing. <laughs> I'm kidding. This is a recurring thing in this movie, but in the torture scene, no. Under no circumstances 
are you going to find like 20 people, right? This entire, the entire column is just filled with Roman soldiers and all of them are loving this shit. Fuck you, my guy. Like that just doesn't happen anywhere ever. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry to have to tell you that like even at concentration camps, the Nazis had to find incredibly fucked up dudes to run them because like any guy with a, with even a shred of humanity left in him is going to be like, oh no, this is the worst. I just, I don't, like the joy that, oh, yeah. that the Romans are getting from doing the most violent unnecessarily violent fucked up shit to him it's just like no you like maybe maybe you've got like the sadist or or maybe three of them you know fuck it yeah i can i'm sure that sadism was rampant but every single one and then even like the crowd in the background was like yeah it's like dude no way like just no no. Well, and like there you go with the crowd. So Jesus gets brought out after all this torture in front of these, in front of this crowd. Pontius Pilate's like, "Look at what I did. He's a mess. Like, do you actually want me to kill him?" And skipping a lot of the scene, it basically they're like, "Yes." And then Pontius Pilate's like, oh, "Okay, okay. Let's think about this though. I got this guy. I I want to release a person for you because Passover is coming, and that's tradition." We got this guy who I just tortured, who, like, frankly, hasn't really done anything that bad. Should this not be the guy that I release for you? And then he pulls out a murderer from Jerusalem, Barabbas. Now, here's, we'll get into the actual history of Barabbas, because I want, I want you, you told me about a little bit of Barabbas, and I think that context is important. But in the context of the movie, it is just, here's Barabbas. He's a gross murderer who, like, big caricature of a bad guy. He's got, you know, just like all the other bad Jews in this movie, he's got his nice giant gut. He's dirty. He's been, like, beaten up, and he's ugly, and he's, like, sticking his tongue out at everyone and going, yeah. He's, he's horrible. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's, like, the worst one yet. Yeah, he's just, like, we are clearly, explicitly supposed to think of this man as just, like, gross, gross, evil, bad guy and then like jesus who's just standing up there silently bleeding (laughs) and and they're like who do you want and they're like give us barabbas and um and then pontius pilate basically turns to jesus and says like you know like hey man like do you want to say anything for yourself i'm paraphrasing obviously a lot here because you know i can have you crucified but i can also do the opposite of that if you want me to like let you go and Jesus is just like, eh, you know, who my basically God put you in power, and he's my daddyo. So like, the it's not your fault that you do anything under your authority to me. It's the fault of the people who turned me into you. So like, mm-hmm. one explicitly, and two explicitly implicitly in the same scene, you have all of the blame being put on the crowd. I'm using air quotes right now. Because the crowd is Jewish people. Like, they're it's Jerusalem. They're yeah. Jews. So we are saying implicitly they are literally demanding that Jesus be killed. And then Jesus himself basically says, it's their fault. Do it. <laughs> like, like, it's okay, Pontius. It's, it's on them. So it's like we have two yeah. sources, one of whom is Jesus himself in this movie, being like, yeah, the Jews are to blame for killing me. Which is just, like, so not cool. And then Barabbas gets set free and put out into the audience, and he's, like, gross or whatever. But when this was happening, it occurred to me, I was, and I texted Harrison, I was like, you know, it doesn't, I feel like historically, Barat like, the Romans wouldn't really care if Barabbas was, like, just some random murderer, or he wouldn't even be an option for release. Like, why would he be someone they would want to release? He'd probably done something against Rome to end up arrested by Rome. So, like, what's... Is it a bad thing? to Like, we're making it out to be like, we're picking this horrible, gross asshole over the son of God to survive. But, like, who was Barabbas in real life? (laughs) Well... We don't, I mean, of course we don't know exactly in the same way that we don't know exactly even who like Jesus' Nazareth right. was, but 
we can extrapolate some things based on Roman records and like what the Romans were known to do. And it is pretty likely that if Barabbas was on death row and like, so basically the, the offer was that I'm going to crucify one of these two guys. Do you want this guy or this guy? Uh, it is entirely possible that Barabbas was like a rabble rouser and possibly an insurgent against uh, Rome. <laughs> because again, like that's the charge that they try to pin on Jesus is that Jesus is a political insurgent and that he's trying to overthrow Caesar with like, that is the argument that works the best for Rome to intercede. About, All right, this guy's bring him here. We're, 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 we're going to put him to death. So while the Bible one of the the gospels refers to him as a bandit. Mm. Uh, most of them just say a criminal of some sort. Uh, it is entirely reasonable to believe that if this guy was just about to be crucified, it was specifically for political like political crimes. Uh, and that checks out a lot with the fact that like a ton, a ton of people in the crowd would have been zealots. Uh, that's not so. That term now is a general term. At the time, a zealot was a school of thought within Judaism. Mm. So you have the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the zealots. The zealots are the ones who are like, it is against the will of God that anybody should be on the throne of Israel except one of the line of David. So okay. they want to remove Herod and therefore remove, and they they attempt it like forty years later. That's like there's a there's a whole rebellion. So in reality, happens, you don't like, have a crowd saying necessarily we want Jesus crucified. It's there's a, there's a good chance, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, is that there's a good chance yeah. that the crowd wanted Barabbas legitimately and not. In a like, it's one of this is one of those historical things that is not really about the movie or about the Christian faith, as and the story of the Passion of the Christ. As much as it's about like, in real life, there are pretty good odds that people actually did want Barabbas to be released because they knew who he was better, and because he was like anti-Rome, and a lot of the people in the crowd were anti-Rome. <laughs> like yes, like they wanted I him to do be released because he was a good guy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it very well could have, that very well could have been the case. Uh, I do need to specify that, like, some of the scholarship around that kind of conflates him with a different Barabbas. That's another very annoying thing about the Bible, is that there are, and a lot of sources around this time, is that there, was so, there weren't last names. So everyone was just like, so-and-so, son of so-and-so. Or the Nazarene just means of Nazareth. Right. Mary Magdalene. Magdalene is just of Magdala. You know, like mm. it, it. So there are just 20 billion people with the same name. You know, there are two Lazaruses in the Bible. There are like a billion Johns. <laughs> there are other, there are other Jesuses. They're just like, the name is just translated differently. But the, uh, it is, because there was a historical figure named Barabbas that was important in the Jewish rebellions that happened later, okay. some people have seen a tie there, like, oh, maybe he was a descendant, but maybe, but we don't really know how common a name Barabbas right, was, right. right? It really only appears in, in, in like those two instances, but, uh, you know, we don't know. We don't know. I just think it's an interesting theory given the political realities of the day and just the fact that the Romans really wouldn't be that, that interested in this guy unless, I mean, again, that's why they have their own guards, the Jews. That's why they have their own king is because the Romans are like, look, we're in charge, but like y'all just pay your taxes and you know, don't fuck with us. And for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. For, For those of you, history wizards well let's we're we're coming close to time so let's let's move our way into the into the cross period of this movie which while we will cover it quickly this is like half the movie and 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 for those of you don't you know who aren't familiar what i'm referring to is jesus carries a cross to a to a hill and then he gets nailed to it and he dies but they decide to make this take like 90 minutes (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, because again, this is so um, within. Uh, it probably appears in a lot of traditions. I know that Catholicism, it's huge in. It's something called the Twelve Stations of the Cross. Oh yeah, we it did that is, in the church I went to growing up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So so there's like, it is it is just twelve images that that are are very like even if you see it without any description around it you know like that's the third station okay this movie is hitting most of them and in fact they filmed all 12 but it's just things that happen along the way to the crucifixion you know culminating in the crucifixion itself i believe the pieta mary holding the body of jesus is another one but anyway whatever the 12 stations are that's why this is so laborious is that it is trying to hit these like 12 events that occur. Um, one of which is, ah, come on, Simon. Uh, Simon of wherever. Uh, one of the gospels mentions that as Jesus is taking his cross, so he's been beaten and then allegedly, we don't really know. Some some Roman scholars like have this as part of the tradition, but who knows? But in this telling of the story, the, the Jesus and two of the other people that are going to be crucified that day have to carry their cross through the city of Jerusalem to the outskirts called Golgotha, which just means the place of the skull. Okay? Um, that's where they're going to be crucified. But in order to get there, he has to do all this shit. Like, he has to see people in the crowd. Mm-hmm. He has to you know, say certain verses, he falls like a million times. Oh, it's brutal. Like, again, I, I texted Chris like halfway through, oh, yeah. just like, I think he has fallen 17 times. And like, I've got an hour left. I don't, and it, you know. I if, mean, it makes you sense that he would any... fall a lot, but it's also kind of like, I get it. You don't need, like, well, I get it. Dude, he's carrying a big, heavy cross and he's been tortured. Of course, the dude's going to fall a lot. Maybe just skip every, a few of those. <laughs> every single one of those falls is in slow-mo. And it usually triggers a flashback, right? Like, oh, like the God. Mary Magdalene one, which is nonsense because the Mary Magdalene one, like, casts her. It conflates her and a totally different character in the Bible that she's not at all associated with. Um which there's a whole history of conflating Mary Magdalene with other people. To my knowledge, and I did a bit of research to see if I could find any tradition, the the forgiving of the adulteress, which is what the, the story... It's a flashback of basically a mob brings an adulteress to Jesus, and they're like, the law says we should stone her. What do you say? Jesus starts writing something in the sand with his finger. It never tells us what. And then just slowly the people start... That's where throw the first stone comes from. Jesus is like... All right, well, if any of you have never committed a crime, then you can punish her. And then they all go away. That's not Mary Magdalene. No one has ever said that that's Mary Magdalene. That's just a random, like in all likelihood, Mary Magdalene was more like a financial backer of Jesus. You know, like there's a lot to suggest that because like even the Bible says that like she supported him with her means. A lot of people have taken that to mean like she's a patron, you know, like she's she's kind of like a more high higher society and at the risk of of this episode going long on this well, merry I think, tangent I think I'm, we didn't have we didn't have last week no that's fair so that's i'm fair. arguing i'm arguing for a for a i i like a long one i may need to pause my batteries do you want to do a low. two-parter we could do a two-parter. let's do a two but anyway i want to finish this thought i don't want to stop in the okay. middle of this thought so there. Mary Magdalene tangent, just for my own edification, but also for the audience. Um, Hit me. It is, I was always under the impression that Mary is supposed to base, like the notion that she's a patron I've never heard before. I've always heard mm-hmm. the the story that she's a prostitute. A prostitute, you sure have. And is that because of this conflation with the woman getting stoned? Okay. No. Where does that come from? See, and that's that's where it gets really confusing because that's what I assumed. I because I mean I know that there are a lot of conflations because like I was saying, because so many people have the same name, mm. 
different traditions have been like, those are the same guy or those are the same gal when there's just no indication that there is. Um, that particular conflation, the one that she's a prostitute, okay, doesn't, that is not at all scriptural. That comes from the fact that in like, it was like the 600s, maybe the late 500s, one of the popes, it was like Pope Gregory the something, uh, basically had an Easter Sunday <laughs> sermon where he conflated Mary Magdalene with a different Mary, Mary, the brother of Lazarus, the guy Jesus raises from the dead. Okay. That's a different Mary. That's Mary of Bethany. She lives in Bethany. She doesn't live in Magdala, which is who Mary Magdalene is. She's the person from Magdala. Like, that's what her fucking name means. So this Mary of Bethany, and while they're at Mary's house, a sinful woman comes in and does the thing where she dumps um, perfume on Jesus' feet and dries uh, his feet with her hair, okay? One of the Gospels says that that is Mary of Bethany who does it. Another Gospel says that it is just a sinful woman, okay? And that is taken to mean a prostitute. So those two got conflated, and then Gregory (laughs) conflated those guys with Mary Magdalene. So now everybody thinks she's a prostitute, despite the fact that you will find that nowhere in the Bible. That is wild. So it's actually just more likely that Mary was just like a rich lady who who was like, I got you, Jesus, Jeebus. Yes. Yes, was basically was basically just like one of the people of means that was giving them money so that they could go around preaching, you know, like not having technical jobs. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Cuz that's how ministries work. Basically they're like they're it's like an an uh, a theater troupe almost, you know? It's like you're I'm hey, we're going to be going around like preaching. I know that I've really touched you with my message, so if you want us to keep doing this, you know. That is such Might a... Might need to feed 5,000 at some point. Well, hot damn. Well, thank you for that little tangent bit. I guess we'll continue the fucking passion probably in a few days. I like doing a two-parter. We'll probably, as opposed to two weeks in a row, since that would put part two well after Easter. What do you think? That's fair. We'll probably just do... We'll yeah. just do a little special one for you. So this will come out today, and then and then the next one will, will come out a, a few days later, maybe on Easter itself. Mm. But dear. All right. Have a good have a we'll good see one. See you there. Happy Resurrection Day.